Welcome to to Peace, Peace, Love, and and Soup, audio nourishment for the heart and mind, with Brian Delaney and Tave Fashe Drake. We hope you enjoy this broadcast of an episode we produced in August of 2017, when the country was all abuzz with the rare coast-to-coast solar eclipse. Life is like eating a watermelon. You know you're going to get some seeds. Just spit them out and take another bite. That's right. Dear listeners, since National Watermelon Day falls in August, we have prepared an episode for you that is nothing less than refreshing. Just like the delicious fruit itself. The epitome of summer. The wonderful watermelon. And because the solar eclipse aligns with the new moon. Which is also our release date. We're calling this episode... Watermelon Watermelon Soup soup for for the Solar solar Eclipse. eclipse. We will also be introducing you to the world of Ayurveda. The healing science of the sun. With the guidance of the ever-kind and knowledgeable Alicia Schaefer. And this episode's music is a flashback to when artist Rachel Siegel and I made a short film aptly titled, It's a Watermelon. So get ready for some fun little ditties you can't help but hum to. And new to our Peace, Love, and Soup family, Coco the Correspondent from the KBOO Youth Collective bringing us a special on-the-street segment, How Do Portlanders Pick the Perfect Watermelon? I can't wait to find out. Stay tuned. We have many juicy tidbits of information we can hardly wait to share with you. But first, Brian, let's talk a little bit about this momentous and rare event. That's right. We're talking about the Great American Eclipse. And you've got some trivia to share with us, don't you? Yes. Please sit back and enjoy this information. (laughs) (laughs) You know, for a little over two and a half minutes, the moon will completely block the sun and day will turn into night. Are we going to be able to see stars? You will. You'll see stars. Like the Big Dipper? Mm Mm-hmm. You'll see planets and you'll also see the otherwise hidden solar corona. And the last time there was a total eclipse of the sun seen from coast to coast was nearly 100 years ago. On June 8th, 1918. I don't even know anyone that old that I can ask if they I saw don't it. either. When's the next one going to be? August 12th, 2045. Maybe we'll be around to see that. Knock on watermelon. <laughs> <laughs> but wait, did you see one when you were a kid? You know what? There was one on the West Coast in yeah. 1979, and I had oh. just turned 12. You know, you were worried you were going to get blinded if you snuck a peek. <laughs> you had to make those pinhole camera viewer things. We've got fancy glasses now, so have no fear. And if we stay in Portland, we'll witness a 99% eclipse, which is pretty good. Mm -hmm. Or we could hit the road and travel into the path of totality, along with the 1 million or so estimated visitors journeying to our fair state of Oregon to view this celestial Mm -hmm. spectacle. I just want to let everyone know Mm -hmm. we're planning to be good hosts and we're remaining calm as our population temporarily grows by 25%. (laughs) Stay calm. And um, and watermelon. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's time that we bring out some extra lawn chairs and get our watermelon soup ready for the very big show. Let's go.
History of the Watermelon. Watermelons, botanically called apepo, are a member of the gourd family, along with cucumbers, cantaloupes, squash, and pumpkins. They originated in southern Africa with evidence of its cultivation as far back as ancient Egypt, where watermelon seeds were found in the tomb of Pharaoh Tutankhamun, King Tut. In the 7th century, watermelons were being cultivated in India, and by the 10th had reached China, which today is the world's single largest watermelon producer. The Moors introduced the fruit to Andalusia, Spain, in the 13th century, spreading throughout the rest of Europe between the 15th and 17th centuries. It was European colonists and slaves from Africa that then introduced the watermelon to the New World. By 1692, it was being grown in Massachusetts. And around that same time, Native Americans were cultivating the crop in Florida and the Mississippi Valley. Today, Texas, California, Arizona, Georgia, and Florida are the United States' largest watermelon producers. The sweet, juicy, fleshy center is usually deep red to pink, but there are variations of the fruit in orange, yellow, and white, all with black seeds. Considerable breeding efforts have been made to make disease-resistant seedless varieties. Seedless watermelons became more popular in the 21st century, rising to nearly 85% of total watermelon sales in the United States in 2014. There are more than 1,200 varieties of watermelon, ranging in weight from less than 2 pounds to more than 200 pounds. Here are but a few that strike our fancy. The Orange Glow has a very sweet orange flush. The Carolina Cross is the current world's record holder for heaviest watermelon, grown in Tennessee in 2013, weighing 351 pounds. Wow. The Moon and Stars variety is a purplish-black with brown seed watermelon and has small yellow circles as stars and one or two large yellow circles as the moon. The Cream of Saskatchewan has a green-striped rind and sweet white flesh and grows well in cool climates. It was originally brought to Canada by the Russian immigrants. And the Densuki watermelon has a solid black exterior. It's grown only on the island of Hokkaido, Japan. One of the first harvested sold at auction for $6,300, making it the most expensive watermelon ever. The average selling price is generally around $250. Watermelons have been viewed as a major symbol in the iconography of racism in the United States as early as the late 1700s. Defenders of slavery used the fruit to paint African Americans as a simple-minded people, happy when provided watermelon and a little rest. This misrepresentation was perpetuated in minstrel shows, where actors in blackface given to song and dance were depicted as being inordinately fond of watermelon. Later, free slaves grew, ate, and sold watermelon. To some, this was a threat to the racial order, but to others, the fruit became a symbol of freedom. Contrary to studies disproving the validity of the stereotype, the negative association continues to this day. Watermelon, I'd do anything for a watermelon. That flavored styrofoam is found in every summer home. Equipped with ammunition you can spit upon your friends. Watermelon, what's a summer without a watermelon? Forget to bring the football, there's a seedy substitute. But if you fumble, you'll have watermelon soup. We're so grateful to have with us here today in the studio, Alicia Schaefer, an Ayurvedic practitioner based in Portland who does workshops and private consultation for those near and far. 
Welcome. Hi, Tommy. Hi, Hi, Brian. Hello, Alicia. Will you please enlighten us about the wonders of living in Ayurvedic lifestyle? And what exactly is Ayurveda? Ayurveda is an over 5,000-year-old medical system from ancient India. It includes herbal medicine, food, cleansing, breath work, and it's the sister science to yoga. So Mm -hmm. yoga and Ayurveda come from the same philosophy. You are a yoga instructor, and you also do nutritional counseling. Yeah, I found Ayurveda and encapsulates everything that I've, you know, kind of studied already and ties it all together and this whole approach to health. Well, I know when I took your workshop, there was something really like, ah, about it, like, oh my gosh, this just all fits together. Um, So will you talk to us about those three different body types Mm -hmm. and three different seasons, and then maybe talk a little about the season we're in, which I remember is Pitta. Yeah, that's right. So there are three seasons in Ayurveda and three doshas or body types. And we have Pitta, like you mentioned, that's associated with the summer season heat. So when we think of pitta, we think of fire and heat, hot, light. And then we have the fall, winter, they're lumped together in Ayurveda, which is vata. So this is cold, dry qualities of of winter. And the elements associated with those are air and ether. And then we have kapha, which is the spring season, the heavy, soft, and the elements associated with kapha are earth and water. Kapha people are more slow and sluggish and solid and stable and mm-hmm. cinnamon is great for kapha because it's kind of zingy and it gets them going, spices them up. And that's the system behind Ayurveda. I've noticed for myself, I'm primarily vata and pitta. So in the winter, which is the vata season, I'll have more vata related issues, dry skin, that kind of stuff. And then summer, I'll have more heat related issues. So for myself, it's really helped me tune into what's going on and why it's happening and then be able to do the opposite to balance it. So each of these seasons, as I just said, has different qualities and different elements associated with them. At first, when I was learning Ayurveda, I thought, well, how can we all be described by three doshas? That's not true because each person is a combination of vata, pitta, and kapha. And that has to do with the season itself, but also a person's general constitution. Right. Or dosha. Yes. And then in this season, Mm summer we're kind of going to talk about pitta in this interview and i have a lot of pitta in me so i'm pretty affected by the heat like i'll get heat related issues such as inflammation or headaches so we are affected by the season because it carries that dosha and if we are predominantly that dosha we're more affected Ah, yeah can you guess what we would be i would say you're both predominantly pitta and what makes you think that pitta is everything medium you know medium musculature and uh, hair type. Pittas tend to have wavy hair or not as much hair. <laughs> um, and driven. You guys seem mm. to be both very driven. In There's a kind r- way. Definitely. <laughs> and note to our listeners, Brian is handsomely oh. clean shaven mm-hmm. on top of his head. So I naturally started balding at around 25. Um, and hair started spreading in other parts mm-hmm. of my body other than my head. That's a very petty thing. It's your body it's type. A... So we have these three different doshas, our mm-hmm. three different body types, but it isn't that everybody fits into one of those. It's everybody is one predominantly, but then a different blending of the other two. Yes, yeah, that's well said. Um, one of my teachers says we're a confluence of factors, you know, and each dosha has all of its factors. The confluence of factors is concise. (laughs) Yeah, it is, right? Something I am not known for. (laughs) It's the title of your new book. (laughs) What are the best ways to eat for this season that we're in? So 
It's very intuitive, actually. <laughs> Foods the coolest down. It's, you know, salads, cucumbers, cilantro, lime, coriander, berries, melons. Rose is really cooling in the summer. Mm. Um, white rice, chicken, almonds, licorice. Watermelon. Watermelon, <laughs> exactly. Anything with water. Yeah. Dairy, actually, ice cream is pretty good for the really? <laughs> summertime. Yeah. Okay. It's great to know that. Sometimes yeah. we think of these other healthier ways of living, and mm-hmm. people immediately think no gluten, no dairy, mm-hmm. no whatever. Mm-hmm. So it's very enlightening and mm-hmm. refreshing. And that's what I love about Ayurveda also is mm. you can't say no gluten and no dairy for everybody because actually for some body types, those foods are good if they're able to digest them properly. Mm-hmm. And it's good to eat wheat in the winter in Ayurveda because it's very grounding and the winter season is kind of described as very airy. Mm. You're up in the air. Do you feel anxious and erratic? So the wheat helps ground you. You know, if you're eating locally from your region and you're eating what's in season, mm-hmm. nature's providing you with the foods that are going to cool you down. So when in doubt, eat what's local and in season, and you're yes. probably not going to be too far off track. Exactly. So we're talking about cooling tips for the season. What are the benefits of watermelon? Watermelon, it's a sweet fruit. So in Ayurveda, there are six tastes, sweet, sour, salty, bitter, astringent, and pungent, sort of similar to our Western tastes. But there's three that are considered cooling for the body. Those are bitter, astringent, and sweet. And watermelon or any ripe fruit is Mm -hmm. going to be sweet. So great to eat now, and they're in season, of course. Can you talk to us about the Ayurvedic way to eat fruit? One of the rules Ayurveda has is to eat fruit away from meals. So either an hour before meals or an hour after meals, or preferably as a snack by itself. And in Ayurveda, they say that the biggest meal is in the middle of the day. And here we talk about having a good breakfast, and that is true. Yeah, eat a good breakfast. Don't be depriving your brain of energy in the morning. And I grew up in England, too, and we did this. So I'm sure it's not just in ancient India, but if we're going to, I don't know if I'm jumping ahead here, but talk about a watermelon soup, that would be a really great summer dinner item because we want our dinner to be light, not eating heavy at the end of the day, and it's by itself. It'll be a nice little just light dinner item. You really don't want to tax your digestive system during the summer. Yeah, that, yeah Ooh, that's, that's ding, 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 ding. true. You said yes. I need to get out my gold star right now and put it right on your right. little bald head. <laughs> it's true, it's yeah. So our bodies are already naturally very hot in summer. We're retaining heat, and we don't really want to build a lot more heat by making our digestive system work a lot. Like eating foods that are already ripe, fruits and vegetables. You don't have to create as much digestive fire. In Ayurveda, we say digestive fire and... Or just in the winter months, then you yeah. need to eat warm foods to warm your body when it's cold. Right. Okay. Not to go off on these tangents, but uh, I used to get really sick before mm-hmm. I figured out food was medicine. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it was acupuncture was saying, why are you eating salads in the wintertime? You need to be eating warm mm-hmm. cooked food. And like, well, I just don't cook too much. And that's what kind of led me to the soup world. That's when I started mm-hmm. making soups. And I did. I, I made myself healthier. Great. And here we are. And here we are making soup podcasts. Lovely. Do you have a refreshing watermelon soup recipe? I could concoct one on the spot, maybe. I love it. Okay. I'm thinking other cooling things like mint and lime and cucumber could possibly Mm. go in there. What do you think? Mint, super refreshing. It sounds Mm. like it'd pair nice with the melon, so I love that. And citrus. Would you go lime or lemon? So 
lime is cooling, but lemon's actually kind of pitta provoking. Oh. So we'll do yeah. lime. I was thinking, what about jicama? Oh, oh. I have a jicama story for you. I, oh. <laughs> I will say you know I, that's going to be good when someone <laughs> says that. I love this idea of jicama actually mm-hmm. because yeah. I love how crunchy it is. It's got like a little bit sweet, but at the same time, it's not overpowering. Right. What about taking some of the rind, slivering up some of that, mm. and either garnishing it on top or mixing it through? I love that. Like that. Yeah. And then, because we know that you can also roast and salt the seeds, mm. what about like sprinkling those on top? Mm, that sounds delicious. I think you have your soup right there. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And then no one can be calling this a smoothie at that point. <laughs> you know, I thought of something else. I read recently that watermelon rind is really great for rashes, which is another, you know, heat pitta thing. So just rub it on because it's that cooling. Yeah, like like yellow. Do you know bananas? The peels work the same way oh, for really? burns. Yeah, my, my friend, oh, bananas. Baker Dan, burnt oh, himself. Yeah. Poor Baker Dan. <laughs> when you mentioned the bananas, that's also reminding oh, me, yes. you were recently on a trip to Cuba. Oh my gosh, I was. They have bananas there? I'm oh. kidding. <laughs> yeah, you better be. Well, I had read about a variety of watermelon called the Cuban watermelon. Oh, By really? any chance, did you taste it when you were there? I did have watermelon there, actually. Yeah, and it was pink with black seeds. Everything was fresh from people's mm. gardens, so it must have been like a true Cuban watermelon, I yes. imagine. And then you had mentioned to me that place you stayed. Yeah, yeah. Funnily enough, we stayed with a family in the countryside, and they had an Airbnb, and they called them Casa Particulars there. And their Casa Particular was named Watermelon Wonderlust. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Yeah, and then I got the email from Tappy when I got back, (laughs) and we're doing watermelon soup. You were like, hey. I love synchronicity. I I love that. That's so good. Uh, You have a workshop coming up. I do. Tell me what the focus of that is. So it's really exactly what we're talking about, how to cool down, release all that heat that's built up over the summer and not carry that over into the winter Mm. and have it cause a whole host of winter health problems. Yeah, so I'll be talking about that and some different food, yoga, breathing exercises we can do to cool down. There's a fun one. We could try it together right now, actually. It's a breathing exercise, pranayama. And what you do, you stick out your tongue and then curl your tongue. What if you can't curl your tongue? Okay, so if you can't curl your tongue, then clench your teeth together. Like, oh. Like you're biting into a cucumber. All right, I'm going to do the teeth clench okay. as okay. a thing. So on your next inhale, you inhale through your curl tongue or your clenched teeth. And then pause for a second at the top of the breath. And then exhale through your nose. All right. So if you do this five to ten times, three sets of that. Every day. And that's very cooling for your body. Can you feel how the air is cold through your tongue or your I teeth? Can. So we can do that whenever yeah. we want to cool our body down. Anytime. Actually, it's great if you're feeling aggravated, frustrated. All those things are very pitta related. Yeah. So cool yourself down. And then what else? Is there maybe a, a simple pose or something as well that one could do? Or Well, any kind of twisting pose is great for releasing heat okay. in the body because... As we were talking about, pitta lives in the digestive system. Mm -hmm. Um, And when you're twisting, you're wringing out your digestive organs, your liver and your spleen and your small intestine. So, yeah, I mean, if you're just sitting in the chair and you kind of reach kind of your head to the sky and twist to the right or left in your chair, hold for a few seconds. It's like radio yoga. (laughs) Radio (laughs) yoga, yeah. Exhaling is when you're really releasing heat from your body, too. So really exhaling, like as you know, on twisting, you exhale in yoga. 
Yeah, I like it. I love it. you can do that on the ground. You can do it standing up and use your arms doing the chair. So you're like works. wringing out your body. Yeah. yeah. Tell people where they can find out more information about you and the work you do. You can email me if you're interested in getting Ayurveda care at mm. a low cost. And we'd give you Ayurvedic tips, nutrition, yoga, herbal medicine, you know, everything that Ayurveda offers. Wow, That's wonderful. wonderful. Yeah. So my email is L-Y-S-S-C-H-A-E-F-F-E-R at gmail.com. Liz Schaefer at gmail.com. Yes. And you have a Facebook page also. I do. Yeah, it's under my name, Alicia Schaefer, E-L-Y-S-S-I-A. And then my last name is S-C-H-A-E-F-F-E-R. And I post what I'm doing, stuff about Ayurveda on there, tips and... All your classes and events and clinics will also be... Exactly, on there. And we'll have all that information on our blog as well as on our Peace, Love, and Soup Facebook page. Good luck to you guys. It's appreciated. So happy to do this. Pleasure. That was fun. Did you know? Most people are accustomed to eating the sweet, red, fleshy part of the watermelon. But did you know that the seeds and the white part of the rind are also edible? In Asian countries, the seeds are dried, roasted, seasoned, and eaten as a snack food, ground into cereal, or used to make bread. Ground-up seeds are also used in horchata de melon, left to sit for a half hour, then strained out before the beverage is served. The seeds thicken the drink slightly, as well as contribute beneficial oils and protein. Did you know that most organisms store toxins in the skin? I did not know that. If you plan to eat the rind, buy organic watermelons. Did you know? The rind of watermelon is featured in Southern American cooking, where it's marinated, pickled, or candied. And in other parts of the U.S. and in Europe, it's made into jams and chutneys. The rind is stir-fried and stewed in China. Did you know that Japanese farmers found a way to grow cubic watermelons in metal and glass boxes, forcing them to assume the shape of the receptacles? What? Yes. Originally designed to make the melons easier to stack and store, these cube-shaped watermelons can fetch up to triple the price of normal ones. Pyramid-shaped watermelons have also been developed. Did you know that some cookbooks recommend slices of watermelon, otherwise called watermelon steaks, as a meat substitute for vegetarians? When baked, watermelon has a texture like raw fish, and if grilled, it's been compared to that of seared tuna. One chef even feels that once the fruit's water evaporates via baking, the concentrating flavor and texture leaves the watermelon tender, like that of a steak fillet. Did you know that uh, Barbara Streisand, she had to do a scene eating a lot of steak, so instead they prepared watermelon steak for her to eat, take after take after take. Is she vegetarian? I don't know. Maybe she just didn't want to eat that much steak. Maybe I mean, that, a lot I, of steak. <laughs> and did you know the amino acid citrulline found in the rind and flesh of the mighty watermelon has properties similar to Viagra? Both stimulate nitric oxide, which relaxes and expands blood vessels, lowering blood pressure and enhancing blood flow, and thus erectile performance. Talk about summertime fun. <laughs> In fact, watermelon seeds are a symbol of fertility in Chinese weddings. Watermelon, watermelon, watermelon. Watermelon. The watermelon 
is a large fleshy fruit and grows mainly in the summer. It has a lot of minerals and vitamins. Watermelon, watermelon, watermelon. Watermelon is high in beta carotene, antioxidants, and vitamin C. Watermelon also contains large amounts of lycopene and citrulline, which have been linked to lower blood pressure, improved metabolic health, and decreased muscle soreness after exercise. Watermelons are 92% water and 6% sugar. Although this water-abundant fruit might be a tempting way to relieve dehydration, watermelon's juiciness only quenches thirst temporarily. Those who suffer from water retention will be happy to hear that ultimately, watermelon dries the blood because of its high levels of potassium, a diuretic. To receive the health benefits of watermelon, it is important to know how to eat it. Eating watermelon at the end of a summer cookout is a bad idea. Melons digest very quickly, and heavier, more difficult-to-digest foods prevent watermelon from traveling at its normal rapid rate through the digestive tract. This resulting intestinal traffic jam allows for bacteria to attack the watermelon and ferment it, thus releasing gas. Try eating it while the veggies are still on the grill. As a snack between meals, drink a watermelon smoothie first thing in the morning, or simply have it on its own as a delicious watermelon soup. Welcome, Coco, our new correspondent on the street. My name is Coco, and I was asking people, how do you choose a ripe watermelon? First, above all things, you slowly approach the basket of watermelons. Don't show fear. I'm not really sure. Don't you, like, press on the end and see if it's, like, soft or not? Well, how I know a watermelon's ripe is I thwap a few of them, and the one that feels the most solid, the heaviest. That's the one I take home. The knock test, you should hear the ocean in the watermelon. You know, like a water balloon sound. And then I put it to my ear and I knock on it again. I do this three times in different places. This is very important. I can't tell if this is for practical advice or if it's a riddle. I like to pick a ripe watermelon by turning it around to make sure that there's like a yellow or a white spot on the underbelly. And if it doesn't have a spot, then I know it's been picked too soon and I Definitely won't take it home from the grocery store. I'm allergic, so I don't pick it. How do you pick a ripe watermelon? Well, a ripe watermelon. Hmm. Aren't you supposed to plunk it, like with your finger or something? And then if you hear like um, iron butterfly playing inside, then it's ripe. Um. Honestly, I, I'm not an expert on fruit, but in general, I feel like one with a nice, colorful rind. It should look like dark emerald ribbons over the watermelon. Now the baby sugar watermelons, those are much easier. You don't need to smell them, but I like to. I also like to pet them, and you pick them up, shake them, and then if I have a friend with me, I shake it in my friend's face to make sure that they also feel the vibes of the watermelon. It's not just me enjoying the watermelon, right? It's my friend, too. And I also look at it in a inspirational kind of way to see what has the most alluring design, which one that speaks to you the most. Then you have to look at the watermelon and ask it, is it okay for me to take you home? Right, I'm not done. And then when the watermelon says yes, you put it in your basket and go home and you eat it. <laughs> the end. 
I guess that's how I'd pick a watermelon. This is Coco for the KBU Youth Collective. Thanks, Coco. You're listening to Peace, Love, and Soup. Well, welcome to Peace, Love, and Soup in the Kitchen. And Tafi, what are we making today? We are going to be making a watermelon soup for the solar eclipse. Damn, I wish that it was a solar eclipse. Now it's so hot today, it's over 100. We could definitely use some shade. But this is going to be a cooling soup, and we have all of the ingredients coming right out of the refrigerator. That's right. We were inspired by talking to our guest, and we have some inventive ideas of our own to try out for color, crunch, and overall deliciousness. Together with Alicia yesterday, we decided to include jicama, cucumber, mint, and lime juice with the watermelon. That's all very cooling. And then in addition, for fun, we're going to have honey and the rind of the watermelon, and then also the seeds. You had a little bit of drama trying to find a seeded watermelon, isn't that correct? I did, and I'm really glad that I bought one coming home from camping because nobody had seeded watermelons, including Whole Foods. And the produce guy at Whole Foods said, it's supply and demand. Nobody wants to deal with seeds, and so we don't carry them. No, in fact, we were accidentally shipped a case of those, and we had to throw them all away because hardly anybody bought them. Wow, what a shame. And I feel like seeded watermelons are slightly sweeter. I know. And I was like, what? And he goes, yeah, any fruit that has seeds is going to have more flavor. I'm thinking of what, grapes? Yeah. And he said, for example, try and get people to buy seeded grapes. They're just not going to do it. And the same now goes for watermelon. And so hardly anybody carries them. How interesting. I will say that Tave picked excellent watermelons. So let's chop up our melon. And let's use that new trick. Envision cutting off both ends of a pineapple and then slicing down and slicing off the rind. This is a fabulous trick. I like this. It's actually easy to get the rind off because the watermelon stays on its solid flat base as you cut around the side so it's not slipping and falling and sloshing all around. My brother's method is he'll let the watermelon rest on its underbelly and then cut a hole in the top, pop that off, and then he scoops out the innards of the watermelon with like an ice cream scoop and then puts the top back on, puts it in the fridge, and eats it that way. Kind of like it was a jack-o'-lantern. Exactly. Which we now know watermelons are in the same family as pumpkins. Let's get to the seeds. Removing the seeds now. So I'm using my hands because I feel like it's a easier method to get at the seeds rather than a knife. And it's almost like removing pomegranate seeds. This method is working well. It's very visceral. That's done. I'm readying the food processor. You could use a blender. You could even make this recipe outside if you just ran an extension cord. <laughs> years and years ago, I was traveling in Mexico with a friend of mine, and we were on a beach, right? Mm-hmm. So we just actually clipped the little plug into the wall off of the blender and wired the bare wires directly to the battery of the car. Oh my gosh. <laughs> we wanted to make frozen margaritas. <laughs> I don't know if this is safe, but we did it. I'm sure now they make battery operated or solar powered ones if you can find them. That's fantastic. Next, 12 cups of watermelon going into the food processor. It really is sweet watermelon. I'm kind of snacking on it as we go. <laughs> we probably ate four cups. We did account for that, so the recipe is correct. Yeah. Okay, first round. Now let's add the cucumber, the honey, the rind to the food processor. But it's already looking good. Obviously we'll have to do multiple batches because it doesn't fit. Try and get this last round really fine. Oh yeah, that's 
a little more liquidy than the first batch you did. Again, this is like a texture thing, however chunky or, or finely. Do you want your food processed? Oh, I kind of like it like that. We're just folding in the diced chunks of watermelon and eight ounce jicama cubed, and then four sprigs of mint chopped and folded in. And here goes the mint. Pretty that is. Ah. Nice. Got a photo of this too. So we'll have a finer consistency along with chunks. It's actually looking chunkier than our gazpacho, which mm -hmm. I'm actually excited about. Mm -hmm, me too. All right, so it's all been incorporated. And then we're going to fold it all with the lime juice. The soup is coming together quite nicely. Do you want to have a little taste? More lime juice in? Is that okay with you? Yeah, let's do it. Let's have more. I like that. So it's a half a cup of lime juice that we used in total. I am glad we added the honey though, even though watermelon can be very sweet. I think because we added the rind and also the cucumber yeah. to tone down that sweetness, mm -hmm. you just have to bump it back up. All right, Tavi, let's put it in the fridge. Just throw it in a bowl and then we're gonna stick it in the refrigerator. And toast up our seeds while we're waiting for that to get cold. <laughs> what was your phone alerting you to with that quacking sound? It was PGE and it was a flex time alert. And they said, the less energy you can use today, the more you can help out your community. So. Well, good on us. Well, just in time, we finished with the food processor and we no longer need any energy except for <laughs> gas for toasting our seeds. Right. And in addition, I should mention, we live in an old 1910 bungalow and so there is no air conditioning. <laughs> I thought you were just punishing me. <laughs> Because it's so hot, we're not going to be toasting these seeds in the oven. We're going to roast them in a cast iron skillet. But for that matter, I think you could even do that on the barbecue, so long as you preheated your cast iron pants. You could do it all outside right. if you wanted. Camping style. <laughs> for sure. So we're just going to dump all the seeds in. And then we can throw some salt on top, too. Quarter teaspoon? Mm -hmm. Okay, let's toss this through. We'll probably roast them until they start looking a little drier and kind of like a roasted nut would look. I can smell it. I know, roasted seeds. Who'd have known you could eat watermelon seeds? We were able to get maybe a half cup of seeds out of the thing. You know what, and talking about watermelon seeds, you had such trouble finding them in the stores, like a seeded watermelon. Yeah. And it reminded me today when I was removing the seeds how much they look like ticks, and then it brought me back to when I was a kid. Summertime memories of camping, for sure. Memories of childhood and ticks. We have a block party that we go to each yeah. year, and usually there's a watermelon seed spitting contest. Mm -hmm. One year we went, and there's little slices of watermelon. There's no seeds in them, and then they have these dried black beans next to them. We're like, what's going on? And they were like, well, we couldn't find any seeded watermelons. So you just take a little bite of this seedless watermelon and then put one of these dried black beans in your mouth and spit that. That seems like cheating to me. <laughs> That's the only way around it. Wow. Some of them are shooting around the pan. Oh, yeah. Look at that. Jumping beans. Maybe that one's a tick. <laughs> <laughs> Looking nice and toasty. Almost like a coffee bean color. These are good. We're just going to put them on the side and reserve them to stick on top to taste. What are we going to do for garnish? We're going to finally sliver the rind of the watermelon. We're going to have tiny little cubes of jicama. We're going to also have cucumbers. Let's see, we've chopped everything. 
This podcast premieres on the new moon during a solar eclipse. And so we took the Persian cucumbers and sliced them very thin cross section. So we have full moon and half moons. Yeah, those look good. And then you garnish. And serve. Then you eat. So now Tavi's going to taste. Wow, it's so crunchy. I especially like the jicama. It's like an apple-like consistency. And the rind has almost a little bit of a celery taste to it, but without all of the strings. What else are you feeling about the soup? I love that it was pureed, but then we also have a little bit of chunks and then uh, the slivers as well. So it's kind of like a potpourri of sizes in your mouth. What do you think of the watermelon seed garnish? I like that dry crunch on top and that little bit of saltiness. Kind of like when you're out in the countryside and they salt their cubes of watermelon. It really kind of pulls out that extra flavor from the watermelon. Love it. How does it differ from our gazpacho? Oh my gosh, it's entirely different. Well, first of all, it's sweeter. The honey has like a distinct flavor to it. It's imbibed a little bit of that honey. But in addition to that, the lime juice sticks out. It's a nice compliment. So there's something sweet and tart about this all at the same time. Much more refreshing, not hearty in any way. This is a very light soup. So there we go. Watermelon soup for the solar eclipse. Cheers. Tavia, I just got a text from one of our Peace, Love, and Soup listeners. And it's saying that today of all days is National Watermelon Day. And we didn't plan this at all. I feel like I knew it was in August, but I had no idea that it was actually today. That's wild. (laughs) Incredible. It is. Synchronicity. I know. What on earth? Here's hoping wherever you were for the solar eclipse that it was an epic experience. But before we go, we'd like to leave you with this quote. I still say shoot for the moon. You might get there. Buzz Aldrin. And finally, we look ahead to September, National Peace Month. The world could sure use more of it. In honor of that, we are going to be emphasizing the peace in Peace, Love, and Soup, talking with Wintry Whit Smith of Peace Village and making our own loving version of Pea Soup. Join us then for a great big bowl of Peace, peace Love, love and, and Soup. Audio nourishment for the heart and mind. With Brian Delaney. And Tave Fashe Drake. Down by the bay where the watermelons grow back to my home. For more information about today's show, along with artist links, photos, recipes, and more, visit us on our website, peaceloveandsoup.com. Please like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at Peace Love and Soup. Down by the bay. My mother will say, did you ever see a whale with a polka dot tail down by the bay, down by the bay? Let me hear you, where the watermelons grow. We hope you enjoyed that radio broadcast of an episode we produced in August of 2017. Brian and I will be entertaining and we hope educating you until the top of the hour with more local culture and conversation. Opening this live segment, the song Cascadian Pride by Portland singer-songwriter and steel guitar player Eric Callio. Sitting and thinking on the mountainside Feeling the breeze that Cascadian pride Seeing the lights from the city glow On the 
the edge of space with no boundaries to know. Today in the studio, we are excited to welcome Jim Todd, the Director of Space Science Education at OMSI, which is the Oregon Museum of Science and Industry. Thanks for coming in on this lovely day today, Jim. My pleasure. Hi, Jim. Where were you for the Great American Solar Eclipse Well, I'm definitely at the Salem Fairgrounds, and uh, we were putting on displays, and I was kind of the MC upon the stage and had the pleasure of introducing the eclipse for all of those 7,000 people out there in the oh fairground. So God. it was a beautiful day, and that two-minute totality, it was just phenomenal. It was a memory of a lifetime. Nothing will top 2017 for many, many people. I had tears coming down my eyes, and astronaut Don Pettit was with me. Uh, he seen two eclipses on the space station. He was jumping up all over me. <laughs> Honestly, seeing that corona was something I did not expect to be so spectacular. Mm -hmm. I thought it was going to be like a movie trailer. You know, they pump it up to be incredible, and you're like, nah, it was okay. (laughs) But it was just amazing. And my whole family and I, we kept exclaiming during Mm -hmm. the two Mm -hmm. minutes of totality. We'd be like, can you believe it? And then we'd try and be really quiet and just listen to ourselves breathing and the birds chirping and toads and frogs and crickets. That sounds like a Disney movie. It was amazing. (laughs) It really was. I was on a rooftop in Portland. It's hard to explain, but the air somehow felt different. And mm-hmm. I saw those like snake shadows mm-hmm. and I felt, my body felt a little seasick. And I was like, this is really amazing, wonderful, but what yeah. was going on? In the ancient time, they call them ghosts. Right? You do see what looked like a little waves moving across the ground, but it is because of the eclipse. Okay. You, you feel that sensation. And that could make one dizzy or, or mm-hmm. seasick, like yeah, just looking at it. The air did feel different. You had some color to it. Well, that's because we're in the shadow. Mm-hmm. So and the temperature also dropped. And we got the human reaction to it, but animals respond as well. Right. Um, but we were so lucky. The weather was just gorgeous everywhere. And they were able to see some few bright objects up in the sky. But uh, there's a lot of different experience, uh, spiritually, um, romantically, mm-hmm. uh, scientifically, that came out of the eclipse. You know what's nice about this, too, that after the eclipse, now we have a million eclipse chasers. Yeah. They were so fascinated with it. They want to know when the next one's going to be, where can they go, and so on, which is the beauty of it. When is the next one? Uh, well, the next one's going to be 2023, and that's when we're going to have an angular eclipse where the disk of the moon is going to be smaller than the sun. Okay. So mm. it creates what we call the ring of fire, and that's going to be in October. It's going to be in southern Oregon, right over Crater Lake. Oh, wow. Yeah, and, and when you think about it, October, weather, fall foliage, I'm waiting for somebody to get a good picture of the reflection oh. on the water of Crater Lake of that ring of fire. That will be a priceless picture. That really will. So uh, Portland will get a partial. It's not the totality, but it's still fascinating. And then uh, after that, be 2024, with the total eclipse going down the east coast of the United States, here in Portland, we'll have 60%. People are like that. Should I use my solar viewing glasses I have in 2017? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, make sure there's no scratches or holes in it. So you're a chaser? Yep. You're going to go to all of these. Well, I'm going to do the best I can. I guess maybe I shouldn't say that. People might start being Jim Todd chasers and not following him to <laughs> well, all Well, yeah, we can do that too. That sounds like everyone should mark their calendars. Yes. And that's 
we did our research, April 8th, 2024, if you want to travel to, say, Texas or points northeast from there for the next full eclipse in our nation. But then if we want to have one here in Oregon, you can go down to Crater Lake for that ring of fire in October of 2023. I have a fun fact to add here, too. The totality from the 2024 solar eclipse will coincidentally pass through the town of Wapakoneta, Ohio home of Neil Armstrong, the first person to set foot on the moon. <laughs> Jim, so last month was the 50th anniversary of the Apollo 11 moon landing. How did you commemorate that day? Well, we did a day-long event at the museum with various groups. We had a presentation in the planetarium. Empirical Theater was showing the Apollo 11 documentary. We had hands-on activity throughout the museum. So much fun and given opportunity to give the new generation of kids to get inspired by space science and astronomy. When I was eight years old, I watched uh, Neil Armstrong come down the nine step and finally step on the moon. That was the moment that I'll never forget, and it changed my life. Well, now, I know this story, but I'd love if you just tell us about it. I was eight years old, Hmm. living in Kearney, Nebraska, and I was always interested in science, but my parents encouraged me to watch the event, and it's like the whole world stopped to watch this. JFK set the goal in 1961, and it was probably the best presidential speech ever to send man to the moon and return safely by the end of the decade. Mm-hmm. That was the goal. And so we did all the testing, all the planning, we got to the moon, and came back safely. Now, personally, it affected me because of my hearing loss, and it gave me the confidence to set a goal. It's like what JFK was pointing out, and use that as an approach to everyday life. Nobody can't say, I can't do it. Yeah, I'm going to do it. You're, right? You are doing yeah. it. And people would say, well, when you work in a planetarium, you can't read lips, you can't hear anybody in there. Well, let's call it, I improvise. I know how to work with it. Yeah. Right? Not because it's easy, but because it's hard. But that still didn't stop me at all. You have to learn to fail, but you learn from that and your success. Uh, but I'm blessed with the talent to be able to share that as well with confidence. It's my heart. Yeah. And my passion that drives me through. But watching the Apollo 11 said, why not? Exactly. Right. The sky's the limits. Well, you know, it's just that you find your niche. You find opportunity. Yeah. And you take the risk. And you learn how to take the risk. And obviously, you guys, you found your niche. Yeah. And so all three of us, we really have been blessed mm-hmm. that things happen as they happen. Mm-hmm. And you share that excitement. And so that's what inspires me. And you work at the team. And then from there, human exploration continue to grow, to expand. And so the space program can bring countries together. So I was so inspired by it, and I taught myself space science. My uncle worked for NASA, and he saw every single Apollo launch. He was involved with the shuttle program. Mm -hmm. So that really just put me in kind of in the mode going, I really want to do this. And I knew I couldn't be an astronaut, but this is my way of getting close to NASA. And I've met uh, three moonwalkers myself, um, professionally and personally, yeah. Charlie Duke, Bud Aldrin. They both came to OMSI. Okay. And then Thomas Stafford didn't exactly walk on the moon. But he was the one that really paved the way how to go to the moon and back. Mm-hmm. He was the kindest gentleman I've ever met in my life. So I can just go on and on with astronauts to, to come and they share their knowledge. And it's mesmerizing. I've met women astronauts at OMSI as well, and having two daughters that are very science-minded, being able to bring them down 
and have them in the same room with someone who has been up in space and come back down and to be able to tell you about it. It's very exciting and inspiring. Mm -hmm. Side story, being not super (laughs) tall, I always thought it'd be great to go up in space because I heard you grow a number of inches. Mm -hmm. My desire to do that was squashed when I was at one of the talks because I heard that then you shrink back down within about an hour (laughs) and it's painful. Yeah, that's why there's so much study on the space station right now with the microgravity, how it affects the human body, all the way down to DNA, bone structure, muscle structure. If we're going to go to Mars, we have to be prepared to see what effect it will have on the human body and be able to even walk when you get there. Because we have to learn more first about ourselves before we leave this planet. This is fascinating. I did not know this information. Did you, Brian? No, I didn't. And the dark side of the moon, other than being a Pink Floyd album. (laughs) (laughs) It's a very popular laser show for us, by the way. really? Yeah, (laughs) I bet it is. Well, that's a good segue. So, Jim, Todd, you have been working at OMSI for over 35 years now. Tell us what your job entails. My main goal is to operate the planetarium. We find product that we use to show the public current events going on in the nighttime skies. Well, it's based science. We do a whole variety of things. We do live shows, film, and so on. Part of my primary role is to educate the public, be a resource, mm-hmm. interpret the information that's out there, and bring it down to a layman's level so that people come in for the first time, they walk away with some good understanding of what they learn. Uh, the cool thing is that in my 35 years, technology has changed and changed and changed again. So we have new ways of presenting in the planetarium with new projectors, software, and every year it gets better and better and better. We have the creativity is wild, oh. but the idea behind the planetarium is to go in there and use imagination. Imagination needs the knowledge. Knowledge needs to imagination. That so we can go anywhere. Out to coordinate the Omni um, Star parties, which we have been doing for over 25 years. And there we work with the real skies and we work with the rosy astronomers who volunteer their telescope and their knowledge and come out. We look at the nighttime sky so that people can come and learn about an event that's happening the lunar eclipse, the solar eclipse, the meteor shower. The star party, August 12th. Yeah, August 12th is always the largest star party of the year for OMSI. And this is going to be the peak of the Percy's meteor shower. The Earth making a rendezvous, which is debris left behind by a comet. That's what creates what's called a meteor shower. Every year, August 12th, it's a peak. And so we can get upwards 60 to 80 meteors per hour. The debris itself is ice particles, no larger than a grain of sand. They've been going around the sun for millions of years, really. And it's nighttime, we see the debris entering the Earth's atmosphere, being pulled down, traveling several thousand miles per hour. So we will be at Rooster Rock State Park and Sub George State Park. It's free after $5 parking for the Oregon State Parks. I'm there as an interpreter, and then we'll have the volunteers from the Rotary Astronomers with the telescope. While we're watching the meteor shower, we can look at Jupiter, we can look at Saturn, we can look at the moon. We generally start at sunset, and some people stay there until 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. And time flies when you're out there having so much fun. In the past few years, we have actually had two to 3,000 people coming out for the event. The best part is that we're watching and when the media appears, it feels like a rock concert. It's really a wonderful, spectacular show. Anything else out there in the summer sky that we should be looking for? Absolutely. This summer, there's a lot to see. Uh, we'll have the pre meteor shower coming up. 
And so each night gets more and more and more until we reach the peak on August 12th, and then it starts to diminish because that's how big the debris field is. Okay? And Saturn and Jupiter are going to be the prominent planet for the summer of 2019. Okay. Jupiter, you can see bright, really bright right now. And then we have Saturn, you see the ring. It's something you'll, you'll never forget. Oh, it's always right. a crowd pleaser. So we've got star parties. You can use extra special telescopes in conjunction with the Rose City astronomers. Absolutely. And that's the beauty, too, that people are interested in getting a telescope. There's no better place to come out to the star party and see the variety of reflectors and refractors and binoculars mm-hmm. and all just simple devices. So you have an opportunity to come out and see a site different than you would see on your own with your naked eye to get advice from experts and hobbyists. And or go to the planetarium and see a digital version of the night sky. Right? Also true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Share with our listeners the different variety of shows that they can attend here in Portland at the Oregon Museum of Science and Industry, Kendall Planetarium. And we have a show, as you're pointing out, called Starry Night Live. It's a live presentation. We talk about the current night sky. Then we talk about what's coming up during this month. We have, uh, for the little guys, One World, One Sky. And it's it's a Sesame Street. It's an introduction to the sky and into the planetarium. Families with children who come to the museum, they love this show. Then follow that, a little bit older, we have Dark Universe, about dark energy, dark matter, narrated by Neil deGrasse Tyson. And then uh, from there, we got laser shows, Dark Side of the Moon. We always have to have that. You do. The lasers mm-hmm. have been around for eons. We change our shows monthly, by the way. So people have different things they can choose from. We also want to point out that we've been showing a unique show called Mesamerica. It's a meditation show. Mm-hmm. And it's very different. It's abstract. It's run by James Hood. And it's a visualization up on the dome, but it's also audio for one hour. We've been selling out one after another. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be playing until the end of August. Still some tickets available, but it's a very popular program. That's to show the virtuality of our planetarium. We just installed a brand new system in the planetarium about a year and a half ago. And it provided with bright, sharp images, and we have 5.1 audio to really enhance the experience. And then in the evening, we have rock shows. We just kicked off at the Kendall Concerts. And the band coming in, we put the visualization on the dome. Mm-hmm. And we try to match the music with the scenes. They've been working out very well. The bands are really starting to take hold of it. I'm really excited because Girl Haggard, my all-female Merle Haggard tribute, is going to be playing there in March of 2020. Jim gave us a wonderful tour Incredible. and showed us all the different options for mood or scenery. And we also have the opportunity to design our own visuals to bring in. So that's exciting. Avi, you're going to be a star. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I couldn't couldn't resist. So let's see. OMSI has broadened their STEM education, which is science, technology, engineering, math, to include the arts and the connection that art plays in the sciences. So we now have STEAM, science, technology, engineering, art, and math. STEAM. STEAM. That makes me think of soup. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> and as you know, our Peace, Love, and Soup is a variety show bringing people together around the table. And we use soup as a metaphor, also literally. So we have to ask you, Jim. What is your favorite soup? Tomato soup is always my go-to soup. I love having cheese sandwich with hot tomato soup. You like it chunky? Do you like it creamy? Is it like a milk base? Or some people make it with orange juice? I like it chunky. And I throw things in it, like crackers. That's my favorite kind of soup. I put it in a cup. 
a mug mm-hmm. of soup yep. with some crackers in it. Creamy a little bit. Mm-hmm. Sounds great. I'm just envisioning now those little like oyster crackers, which kind of look like little moons or suns. And Omsi has the Theory Cafe. They serve local, sustainable, nutritious food there. And I'm wondering, maybe we get Theory to make a Jim Todd make soup. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like a tomato soup with constellations in it. It calls the soup of the universe. Maybe that's what theory is going to call that Jim Todd <laughs> soup of the universe soup. It's always bringing people together. So let's see. People can find out more about all of the wonderful things we've been talking about from the star parties to the Kendall Planetarium by going to omsi.edu. That's O-M-S-I dot E-D-U. Thank you, Jim, for your wisdom and enthusiasm and... Do you have something to add? I do. I, <laughs> this has just been a real treat to have you in here today. I appreciate you taking time out of your work day to come down here. Thanks. Yeah, my pleasure. Yes, peace and love to you and all of our groupies out there, or the in our case, we soupies. call them the soupies. soupies. <laughs> You've been listening to Peace, Love, and Soup Live with Brian Delaney and Tave Fashley Drake. Audio nourishment for the heart and mind. To find out more about us and listen to past episodes, go to peaceloveandsoup.com. Please like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at Peace, Love, and Soup. Uh, we're going to go out to the song Sunset Chaser by Eric Calio. Find out more about him and his music at ericcalio.com. That's E-R-I-C-K-A-L-L-I-O.com. All right. As always, peace, love, and of course, soup.